we are going to, it was such a good discussion last week that I, I thought let's, let's um, uh, carry on um, with this um, some more. And we're talking about boxes of justification and sanctification um, and, and talking about having two boxes uh, in this. So we're taking a little, little jump um, um, out of uh, Romans 19 where we were looking at there in Romans 19 that those believers who are coming back with Jesus in final battle are wearing are wearing what white linen, white linen. and that represents what yeah the righteous deeds of the saints that's what the the words of the Bible faith just quoted for us there the righteous deeds of the saints the saints are the saint is from the word sanctification. It's the same root. It's those who are set apart, those who've been set apart by Jesus, um, given his spirit, who have saving faith, who have uh, their souls have gone to heaven and they come back and and the, the righteous things they did in their life, albeit every one of those righteous things was imperfect. Um, yet they are, are the imperfections are covered by the blood of Jesus and and they're credited with those things. And even in fact, final battle wearing that as their garb, their righteous deeds, their, their faithfulnesses <laughs> to Jesus as they come back fighting with him um, against the world. And so um, we, we were looking at um, how the deeds we do today matter, but they don't matter for our justification. They're not in that box. They're in a separate, a different box, and it's that sanctification box, that box in which we are becoming more, more like Jesus. Um, so um, looking here, um, here's our justification box. Uh, and so this is uh, visually representing uh, the way Scripture uh, delineates things and sets things apart and, and teaches about certain things and puts them in different places. So here's our justification box. Um, what are some benefits of justification? We just sang um, two major benefits of justification, uh, but but there are more too. But what are some things that come to us with justification? Pardon of sins. Okay, pardon of sins. So forgiveness, good. What are some things that are, let me ask it this way. So, so um, uh, this is a really wide question. So I'm saying, what became true of you when you believed in Jesus? So now you've got 12 things you can name. Okay, go. Because when you believed in Jesus, that's when your justification happened, right? So we're and sealed. received by faith alone. So when you had that faith, yeah. So we're sealed, right? Okay, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so guaranteed and you were sealed. Okay, good. Okay, we can't lose it. That's not a benefit, but we can't lose it. We're sealed. Those two things are together. Yeah, where are some benefits? Go ahead. Adoption. Okay, so as many as received him, John 1, 12, God gave the right to become children of God. And so when you believed in Jesus, you became a child of God, and that's DNA that's not revoked. And James talks about this DNA in James 1 and says the, 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 the seed of the gospel was implanted 
in you. Okay, that's that's DNA, that's spiritual birth talk. So that's like James 1, 18 or 16, somewhere in there. I think it's 1, 18. The seed of the gospel was implanted in you. And this is the reason James goes on and says, therefore, when you see the law, the perfect law that gives freedom, we walk away and we say, that's who I am to be. That's my, you know, it's like uh, Jan Brady seeing her aunt and saying, that's who I'm going to look like when I'm older. Uh, it's, uh, you know, and so we don't walk away from the law and forget it because that's our roadmap of who we're created to be because Jesus obeyed all the law and we're becoming more Christ-like. Uh, but, but yeah, we've become children of God. Um, so that's a big, big thing there. Um, adoption. Oh, you won't. You're daring me now. Oh, okay. I'm a, oh, I had him in my in my finger. Oh well. Yeah. So my friend David Morris, third grade fit through fifth grade best friend, showed me how to catch flies. So when a, a fly is on the table here, you put both hands to the side, and then you go in and up. And so your hands go up and you get him when he's there. And so I do this all the time and my family's amazed. <laughs> yeah, the Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, Mr. Miyagi. Okay, so adoption is a benefit. What else do you get for believing in Jesus? Indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Good, that's another benefit. Peace that passes all understanding. Good. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. Yeah, you go to heaven when you die. Good. Eternal life. Good. You get spiritual vision, things you get to see, discernment, things that you didn't understand before. Yeah, your your mind is open. You get spiritual. You understand um, uh, things spiritually and, and and that you didn't before when you were spiritually dead. Okay, good. Um, so I, I wrote down a couple of here, spiritual birth, which includes, you know, being a child of God or being adopted as his child. Okay. Paul talks about that. You get your sins forgiven. Okay. So justification, um, we get these kind of things. Um, how do we get into this box? Yeah, Christina, by faith. By faith. Okay. By faith alone, no works. Don't talk about works in this box as it regards you. Now, Jesus is justified by his works. He earns it. He's in the covenant of works. He obeys the Father perfectly in all ways, at all times, in actions and motivations. He earns taking the fruit from the tree of life and he lives forever. And the resurrection is proof of that. And if you want to see Jesus talking those terms, go to John 16, like verses uh, 9 through 11 there. He, you know, he talks about the, 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 um, his resurrection as a result that the Father is pleased with him. And, and you see this kind of um, bounce off kind of stuff from other verses as well. But for us, works is not a part of our justification. We get into this box of being justified and look at those benefits 
of have, being a child of God, being uh, born from above, being adopted, having your sins forgiven. You get in there by faith and faith alone. Okay, so, so we got to keep that box clean because, you know, that's, that's grace right there. It's not by our works. It's by Jesus' works that we have, that we have faith in. Okay? So that's our justification box. No works. You get into the justification bo box by faith alone. And you get these benefits. Spiritual birth, child of God, you're adopted, your sins are forgiven. Okay, so law. Um, notice where law is. It's outside. And now when we say law, sure, we're talking about the law of Moses, but we're also talking about all commands in Scripture. Okay, so Jesus gives a ton of commands. Paul gives a ton of commands. James gives a ton of commands. Peter gives a ton of commands. Luke gives a ton of commands. It's, it's all law. Okay, so we're not just restricting law to Exodus through Deuteronomy. Okay? Um, and so God's many, many commands... And we note they're outside the justification box. Um, and so let's try to get them into the justification box here. And um, they bounce off. Okay, this is good theology. People are trying to get the law in there. And the Bible says no. Um, justification is by faith and not by works of the law. Um so, question or a, a state statement here, Mike? Can you read that statement, top left, or sorry, top right? Law commands on the person's side has no role in justification. Okay, Bible's really clear about that. Okay, so when we talk about the commands of Scripture, we say yes, but they're not in the justification box. They have no role in us being justified, no role in us being adopted as God's child, no role in us uh, having the Holy Spirit, no role in us having our sins forgiven. We're not forgiven of our sins because we obey works, because we obey the law. No, the law stays outside the justification box. Uh, next statement, Davis, can you read that for us? The law never goes in Okay, so the law never goes in the justification box. So we saw that. It, you know, if it tries to get in, if we're being biblical, it bounces out. Uh, this justification box is impenetrable to the works of the law, to the doing of the commands. So, um, Ashley, can you read this new statement? So what does the Bible do with commands? Okay. What does the Bible do with commands the law? Um, are there are, are any any boxes we could pull for this? Little boxes do it. It's the sanctification box. You you guys weren't here last week, so that's why. Um, so there we go. Um, Law still outside the justification box. We haven't gotten rid of the law, the commands. We say, God, you are not wasting your breath. God, it's good and right for us being created in your image to do what you tell us to do. It would be rebellion for us not to do what you tell us to do. 
And so we keep the law, but we keep the law out of the justification box and, and we, we keep it in the sanctification box. Remember, sanctification is a, a work, an ongoing thing, not a one-time spiritual birth, but it's the rest of our life as a Christian. Okay, so that, that analogy that the Bible uses, we've got spiritual birth, and that begins our Christian life, and that's justification, spiritual birth. Okay, that's when that happens. But then we live the rest of our lives, and that's, that's the sanctification going on. That's our being set apart more and more, enabled more and more to be like Jesus um, in our lives, in what we do and what we say and how we treat people and how we respond to God. Okay? So the law, God's many, many commands, wherever there's a command in Scripture, we put that in the sanctification box, the becoming more like Jesus box. Okay? So um, what's our statement here, Jeff, that new orange that just came up here on the right? Okay. And then, Anna, what's our other statement on the left in the orange? Oh, not here. Okay. So law and commands belong in the sanctification box, not in the justification box. Does that make sense? Any questions about that? Yeah, Bill. So it's saying that law is still part of the Christian life and it's still yeah. valuable to us as Christians. Yes. Yeah. Law is part of the Christian life. It's valuable. It's valuable to us as Christians. Is it valuable for us as Christians so that we get to see Jesus when we die? No. What's that? Justification. That's justification. Okay. The law, we blew it. We blew it in Adam. And if we were, if God said to us, okay, I'm going to give you a chance. Like I gave Adam a chance. We, you know, we've already blown it there too. No hope of justification through our, the, through the works of the law, through us doing the commands of God. Because even when we do the commands of God, they're done with imperfect motives and uh, not uh, the, the, the you know the full effort, the complete obedience in every way. Okay. Um, so uh, just parallel here. What 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 are the benefits of, or what's the goal of sanctification? Sometimes I've you know when you've said what is sanctification, I like to define sanctification this way. What what's what is sanctification? Excellent. Yes, it's becoming more like Jesus. Um, so it's Christ-likeness. That's the goal of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. Uh, Prosperity Gospel says, you know, the, the goal is getting more stuff. <laughs> but the Bible says the goal is becoming more like Jesus. Um, so, so that's the goal of sanctification, being Sanctification, again, like sanctuary, like a bird's sanctuary. A bird's sanctuary is set apart so that the birds are safe and the birds gather there. Um, or a, a, a sanctuary like in a, a church building, that's the room that's set apart for worship. Okay, so you're not playing basketball in that room. Sometimes you are. <laughs> and that's the debate in churches when they build a building do you have it double as the the christian school's basketball court and i don't have a strong opinion on that at least when it's sunday morning don't play basketball there during worship have that be set apart at that time it's kind of like we're here you know this is a birthday party room 
But on Sunday mornings, it's set apart. It's a sanctuary. It's set apart for the worship of God. Okay? And that's, that's good. Um, and so uh, sanctification is being set apart. Also, the word holy. Holy, sanctification, um, saint. These are all from the same root. Okay? Um, and so uh, saints are people who are set apart we are the saints. We're the believers. We're set apart from the world. And if you could have God's vision from heaven above, it's night and day. It's light and darkness. He looks from heaven above and he sees who has the light of life <laughs> in them, who has saving faith, who's a believer, who's got his spirit, and who, who doesn't. God has that, that vision that, that we don't have. But um, our goal in sanctification is Christ's likeness. Yeah, Bill. Question. Can you point out how legalism is wrong, kind of what constitutes legalism. For instance, I came from a church where they would not set up a table in the back for selling Christian books or yeah. a Christian reader or something like yeah. that because they did. Jesus chased some of the money changers out of the temple. Therefore, they think we should not have anything that's yeah. not in the sanctuary. It's not yeah. sanctimonious in the yeah. sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into legalism in just a little bit. Um, uh, with that, you know, it's a it's a um, it's a really valid it's a really valid question to be to be asking, um, and that can have um, very kind of, kind of yeah. The question: So, what laws do yeah. we follow, and what ones don't we follow? Yeah, is kind of what I was driving at. Yeah, and so that's a that's a good question too. So, when we're talking about law and commands. Uh, one of the things that we see clearly mapped out for us in the book of Hebrews especially is that the ceremonial law is no longer. And so those commands, now what's the ceremonial law? What do we mean when we say ceremonial law? The sacrifices, the temple, all the temple stuff, all the stuff with the temple, the tabernacle, the priests, the, all that stuff, we are not commanded today to offer animal sacrifices in physical Jerusalem. In fact, the book of Hebrews is arguing to Christian Jews at the time, do not go back to Jerusalem, do not go back to the Levitical priests, and do not offer an animal sacrifice. If you do, Christ is of no use to you, and you're lost, you're dead in your sins. Okay? Um, and so that part of the law we say no to. There's another part of the law, another division of the law that we call the national law or the judicial law. What do we mean when we say that? Old Testament judicial law. What kind of laws were those? Or national law? Yeah, there's civil laws. Things like put a, if you have a flat roof, you put a fence around your roof. You know, they had, they had roofs in the Old Testament that were flat. And so one of the commands in the law of Moses is that you need to put a fence around the edge of your roof so that little kids wouldn't die, you know, playing dodgeball, you know, on the top of your roof <laughs> there. Um, when I was looking at Brown University, I, I didn't see it, uh, uh, but they said, you know, on top of that building is a soccer field and you could see the big um, uh, fences and nets all around the top of the building so the soccer ball wouldn't go down into the street there and then dribble down, you know, Brown is on the top of a hill and it, it, it goes down into what's um, a, a big river bay that eventually winds up into the, the Atlantic Ocean um, 
on the north side of the tip of Long Island. But uh, um, yeah, so that so you have laws like this, or like if I borrow someone's ox, and while I'm borrowing that ox, the ox breaks its leg. And apparently, I don't know this, because I'm not an agricultural cattleman, um, if an ox breaks his leg, then he's not gonna be able to plow anymore for you. He might be able to heal, but he's not gonna be able to plow for you anymore. And so the, the national law, the judicial law says, here's how much you need to, here's what needs to happen in that situation. This guy who was using the ox while the ox broke its leg um, needs to pay back this much to the guy who owned the ox. That's judicial law. And the Westminster Confession of Faith, I think, says rightly that those laws ceased to be or to be binding upon us with the ceasing of the nation of Israel. Okay, Those laws were stop signs and stop lights and those kind of things. But as, again, the Westminster Confession, I think, rightly says, any principles we can derive from the judicial law, those are good principles. So, you know, I once was... Yeah, the principles behind them. So, I the moral, the moral principle behind them. So, I was borrowing once. Um, uh, Mike Golombowski is one of our first deacons in the church. I was borrowing his power washer, and while I was borrowing it, um, it broke. And I said, Mike, I think I know, owe you a new power washer here because I was trying to derive the principle there. Now, fortunately, Mike said that thing's new. That should not have happened, and he was able to just go to the store and get a new one. So that was good. Um, so I, I didn't, but the principle there of the judicial law was that, you know, if you borrow someone's thing and you damage it, you offer some kind of compensation to make up for the damage that you've done of the thing. But but the, the law we're talking about, the commands of law that we're talking about are the, what we call the moral law. And uh, what's the moral law in, in the Old Testament? Love neighbor. Love neighbor. And yeah, what's the other half of the Ten Commandments? Love God. Love God. Okay, so all the commands for individual behavior. Now, a little trick question, not trick question, but question to see if you're sharp on this. Where Where is the law that, uh, in which category of law uh, is um, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? Civil. It's in the national law. So when someone misquotes that to you and says, oh, the Old Testament, that was all eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and now in the New Testament, you forgive. You say, no, in the Old Testament, you forgave. But the instructions to the government of Israel were be just. If you, and what it's talking about, if you get in a fight and you knock someone's tooth out, he gets to knock your tooth out <laughs> in, in, you know, in uh, injustice. Since you have to go through the rest of your life with a missing tooth, now he does too, because he caused that. Okay, that's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's perfect justice. It wouldn't be perfect justice if he knocked your tooth out and only had to pay a $10 fine. He's like, sure, whatever. And then he gets to go through the rest of his life with all his teeth, getting all the chicks, right? Uh, <laughs> um, so, so that's the law that we're seeking, seeking to obey, the moral law, uh, and, and seeking to um, uh, follow that. And even in the, um, the ceremonial law, in terms of reverence um, and um, who does what, like, for instance, 
Only the elders serve the Lord's Supper. Um, that's, that's something in the, in the New Testament just vaguely referenced in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 4-4, uh, that, that the, 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 um, these things belong to the ordained in, in, in essence. Uh, but it really comes from the fact that only the priests could go in the temple building proper and touch any of the furniture or handle the sacrifices. The Levites couldn't. And if a Levite approached the temple and went in, he was a dead man. Uh, and so we, we take that principle and that comes forward into the, into the New Testament. Okay, um, so justification, sanctification, we keep those boxes clear. Um, now, the, the um, separate, how do we get to the benefit or goal of Christ's likeness? Obeying the law. Who obeyed the law perfectly? Jesus. So if you obey the law more perfectly tomorrow than you did today, who are you more like tomorrow than you are today? Jesus. Jesus. Do you get that? The key, the, the law is not arbitrary stuff that's disconnected from the character of God. The law flows from God's character. Why are we commanded to treat people fairly? Because God is fair. God is not unjust. And so he calls us as his images to be just. Um, why are we called to be compassionate? Colossians 3. Because God is compassionate. He saves people who are in rebellion against him. Okay, The law flows from God's character. There's no command of the law that's disconnected from who God is, from his character. And so if we want to be more like Jesus, see, this is the, the, the fault of um, uh, just licentiousness or, or, or uh, uh, people who don't like the law. They are saying in substance, I don't want to be like Jesus. They don't mean to say that. They want to be like Jesus. But the means of being, when well, we say, okay, who's Jesus? And they say, well, he was really nice. We go, law. <laughs> he was really forgiving. Law. Where's forgiveness in the law? In the law of Moses. Where's forgiveness? The sacrificial system. Okay. When you think, like evangelical Christians, that the law is ungracious, you are absolutely 100% wrong. Because God institutes law so his people can be forgiven. Law is good. If the law is not there, all God's people in the Old Testament are still in their sins. They have no way to transfer their sins to another to suffer the penalty of sins, which is death. But God, in his mercy, in his graciousness, establishes the whole sacrificial system and says, these animals that I created, I'm going to let them go. I'm going to let you kill them because you bear my image and they don't. And I am merciful and I'm going to show. See, the modern and, and even you know past centuries in Christianity, some have thought this, that the law was the, the opposite of God being gracious. 
But the law is where he institutes his grace and commands his people to experience his grace through saying, you have to offer this sacrifice. Okay, and in the law itself, and to, when you bring this, and you will be, and as they bring these sacrifices, they will be forgiven. That's the Old Testament quote. And they will be forgiven when they offer these sacrifices. Okay? Um, so, so the law is, is so why, why are we forgiving? Because God forgives, even in the Old Testament. He institutes forgiveness through sacrifice. And then in the New Testament, he institutes forgiveness through sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus for us. Okay. And so if I want to be like Jesus, then I do the law. I, um, uh, uh, I endure, I endure the sins of others against me like Jesus. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They were sinning against him, putting him on a cross, and he forgives. And this is what he did in the Old Testament, too. He forgave the people who were sinning against him, Old Testament Israel. And he instituted it, saying, you must make these sacrifices. You must receive my forgiveness. Okay. Does that make sense to you? I hope that shocks you. And I hope that makes you, I, I hope you see, this is not me. This is the Bible. Okay, the law is instituting forgiveness. Okay, when someone brought a sacrifice, they were not saying, aren't I a righteous guy? <laughs> aren't I great? Now God should accept me because I brought this sacrifice. No, the sacrifice was about receiving the forgiveness through God punishing your sin on the animal you had just brought and had to kill yourself with the assistance of the priest. Okay. Um, yeah, Crystal. God institutes forgiveness through sacrifices in the Old Testament and in the New Testament through the sacrifice of Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus is the encapsulation of the whole Old Testament sacrificial system. So the word Jesus, part of that word is the law. And part of that law is the ceremonial law. And he is that word that uh, instituted um, for God's people forgiveness that the people in the nations in the Old Testament didn't get because they weren't offering sacrifices in the right place um, with faith of God's in God's mercy. Yeah. What's the response to the kind of cynical accusation that the law with its built-in forgiveness is providing a solution to a problem it creates and that is disobedience of the law for the law that was in their disobedience. Yeah. So, so two, two things say, so you're, you're telling me that this is what you say to the person. So you're telling me that if there were no law, you'd be perfect. Okay. So that's what they're saying. That's the undergirding to that. Um, they're trying to blame God for something that's they do. I mean, I, that's their problem. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, the measuring stick that, yeah. that declares that they're not, or they're, yeah. they're you know, missed the mark, as they love to say. It seems to keep the mark. You know, that's what it means, but yeah. it's worse than just missing the mark. Yeah. But, 
And you go with that, the mark is the character of God. And the law is just the expression of God's character. And so whether the law is there, and this is what Paul deals with in Romans, with the Gentiles, they have the law. It's imprinted on their hearts because they bear God's image. And so they have a basic sense of how they, this is why the Seinfeld gang feels guilty and they hide from their sins and selfishness being discovered. You know, that's, that's what's so funny about Seinfeld, you know, <laughs> that they still, in all their um, secularism and, and, you know, lack of religion of any kind, um, that, that they still feel guilty for what they do. It's because the law of God's written on their heart and they know, you know, they It's arbitrary. Yeah, it's arbitrary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in, in that, that mentioned it's a reflection of God's character. Yeah. And that, you know. Yeah. And from the Christian standpoint, from the biblical standpoint, it's a reflection of your character because that image of God is on you. And so it's you transgressing the, the, your own standards, the things that make you feel guilty. You feel guilty because you know that's wrong, even if you'd never come across a Christian or a Jew. And they can't argue with that because it's theoretical. But you say, from the Christian's perspective, that's what the Bible proclaims. That had you never come across. But let's go to some tribe in you know, South America or Africa that's never had any contact with the Bible. And you'll find them feeling guilty about certain things that are common with what we feel guilty about. Yeah. Um, so there we go. How do we get the benefit or goal? It's through the law aided by God's spirit. Okay, so by God's spirit, and Paul makes this argument in Romans 5, you know, the, the, the law apart from the spirit just leads us to utter frustration. But the law with God's spirit leads us to righteousness. Not a righteousness by which we're justified, but a life-lived righteousness where we're more like Jesus because we have God's spirit. So spirit plus law is a good thing. Law with no spirit is just frustration and condemnation, and we don't want to hear it. <laughs> but, but law with the Spirit of God, the Spirit enables us um, to, to do the law. Um, again, we won't do any of it perfectly this side of glory. Uh, but that's the vehicle of, you know, so how do you get into justification? It's faith. How do you become more Christ-like? It's law aided by the Spirit of God who dwells in you. Okay. Um, so, um, unsaved people apply faith to get into the box on the left, justification. And then let's just go on with our reading, Andrew, on the right, top. Saved people apply spirit-enabled obedience to the law to be more like Christ. Okay, so that's what we're talking about with sanctification. We're not talking about how you get to heaven. Um, that's for, that's for non-believers. Apply faith in Jesus and you'll be justified. You non-believer. But as, so, that, that's being born. Okay, but, but now how do you live? You put on clothes, you eat food, you go to the bathroom. You know, how do you live? 
and, and so there is instruction. You know, here's how you put on your clothes. <laughs> this is the front side of your underwear. You know, all these fun things we learn when we're kids. Um, we're, we're instructed, and, and, and so we learn how to live, and that's sanctification. And sanctification, how we become more like Jesus, is directed for us by the law because the law represents the character of God, all the things we see in Jesus when he lives his life um, on the earth, and the Spirit enables us to do that. Um, so we're going to talk about bad options now. We'll get through at least one of them. Bad options of what to do with the law. Okay, so commands and law, and these are options that are available to us today depending on what church we go to. Bad option number one, Allison. No sanctification box and. Okay, so we've, we've clearly defined, here's justification. That's talking about heaven, being a child of God, being forgiven. Here's sanctification. This is talking about law and being like Jesus and pleasing God. Um, and in this box, we're not worried about whether we're going to heaven or not. That was taken care of over here. Okay, just like today, you're not worried about uh, uh, being your father and mother, your genetic father and mother's child anymore. That was taken care of nine months before you were born. Okay, so if you're out here worrying about if that's really true, that doesn't make any sense. In the sanctification box, you're saying, you know, how do I live my life? What's my mom? What, what did my mom? What did my dad tell me to do? How did they tell me to do this successfully? Okay. What instruction did they give me? Okay, that's that's the sanctification box over here. We're not worried about am I his uh, am I his son? Am I her son? I'm worried. Uh, 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 what I'm concerned with is how do I live my life? Uh, what have my mom and dad told me to do? Because they seem pretty wise and successful in living their lives, so I'm going to follow them. Okay, so bad option number uh, bad option number one: no sanctification box and Next step, um, Betsy. Include the commands in the justification box. Okay, so that's that's the way some people solve this. Um, so they they just they don't have a sanctification box, and there are commands, so they stick the commands in the sanctification box. And um, uh, let's go over to Teresa. Can you read the lowest one there? Okay, see how that works? If you don't have a sanctification box, it gets very confusing, doesn't it? All of a sudden, there are a lot of weird options there that aren't very attractive, and you're going to be very confused, Mr. Evangelical. Or Mr. See, Mormon. Or Mr. Mormon. Yeah. yeah. I talked to the Mormon guy once when I was in the Navy, and I tried talking to him about how, you know, justification by Christ, he goes, you sound like one of those born-agains. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so this is the beginning of what we're looking at. If you don't have a sanctification box, what do you do with the law? Yeah, Bob. So if you don't have a, just a sanctification box, are those people saying, I'm justified by grace, but I have to do my part to... Like a semi-Pelagian who says, yes, we need Christ, we need the grace of God, but grace of God is not enough. We have to do some righteousness ourselves. 
Yeah, that's one of the ways you can go with this. And uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, but we'll we'll hit that. We'll hit that next next week as we're as we're talking about this. So for now, just just remember and keep in your heads, you know, justification. What's the benefit of that for us? What are we talking about in justification? Salvation. Salvation. What are we talking about in sanctification? Becoming Christ-like. Christ okay. It, it, and when we're in the sanctification box, is becoming Christ-like and the degree to which we're becoming Christ-like, is that anything to do with whether or not we're saved? No. no. Okay. We're not talking about that. That's over here in our justification box. Um, you know, it's, it's like, man, how do... You know, how, how'd my dad tell me to fix this car? You know, and, and our friend says to us, wait, is he really your dad? And you're like, <laughs> wrong box, dude. You know, you're over here in the justification box and, and, and I'm here in the sanctification box. And, and we keep those and scripture keeps these separate. And, and we'll see this in our grand finale of this lesson next week. Uh, but but before we get there, we're going to talk, talk about different bad options or bad ways that typically well-meaning Christians go um, when they don't understand that there's not just one box or that there's when they think there's just one box. If you don't get a second box, you're going to get weird theologically fast, just like Bob. You know, Bob immediately brings up, you know, one of these options. Well, uh, well if laws and justification, then boom, you know, and, and so um, we'll, we'll talk about that more uh, next week. Okay. Yeah, Jim. Hey, you yeah. Uh, your, the assurance of your salvation is tossed away if you add law in there because the best of your obediences will be imperfect. Yes, <laughs> Jim was sticking out his tongue. Exactly. The best of your obediences will be imperfect. And so then, you know, it's like no wonder. You know, most people have one box. The justification box and the sanctification box are one. So they got law in their justification box. And so they're worried and they're uncertain. And they're not free as Paul argues not not free to do sin free to do righteousness knowing that I'm forgiven you know you, you know so you know if you're if your mom or dad or both are rooting for you you know you're you're not having to do whatever you're doing so that they approve of you anymore you get to do what you're doing so they'd be honored and just happy with you. Because they're cheering for you anyway. Um, they, they want you to do well. And, and when you don't do well, they're like, oh man, that's a bummer. You know, how do I encourage John? And, and that's, that's God's perspective. He, he decided to forgive us before he created anything. Ephesians 1.4. So he's not in the midst of our life saying, oh man. I think I made a mistake. Something un that I didn't perceive before came up. <laughs> God knows all things. And he knew every sin we would ever commit prior to creating the world. Ephesians 1.4. And he decided to be for us. 
and the first step of being for us is he decreed our salvation. And then now, in our sanctification, he's rooting for us. He's given us his spirit. He's given us his word. And he's rooting for us. And when we, when we obey, he's in heaven. Way to go, Jim. Way to go, Matthew. Way to go, Crystal. That, that's who he is. He's, he's, he's just, you know, it's like David, you know, he um, uh, repents of his sin with Bathsheba, you know, and, and God just immediately restores him. Um, and and that's, that's the way God is toward us. He's, he's not, um, he doesn't have the cosmic fly swatter uh, toward us. All right, let's pray.